Hey, thanks for tuning into this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. On July 1999, Barry Sanders shocked the football world by announcing his retirement at the height of his career. Lacking only 1,400 yards to eclipse the all-time NFL rushing record, many considered him the greatest running back of all time. Naturally, coaches and commentators and football fans around the country We're trying to lure him back. There's so much more you have left in the tank. Why give up now? He responded back, my desire to return to football is less than my desire to leave. My lack, or rather my desire to return to football is less than my desire to leave. With that, he boarded a plane and he flew to Europe. Why would a man pass up millions and millions of dollars at the height of his career and give it, just walk away from it? Why would some do that? Some would say that's just ridiculous. But he realized that his passion was no longer there. He was no longer all in. After all, isn't that the American goal? Get as much stuff as possible. Get as much Get as many things as you can get. Get in that recognition. Get that, get that trophy. Get that. Well, no. Not to him. Like others, he found those pursuits to be empty, temporary, and yes, even meaningless. Every day, there are people that go to work and return from work. They eat, they sleep, and they do it again. No real meaning and a purpose, no real meaning of life, no real understanding as to what's, what they're supposed to do with their lives. And in this series that we just began last week, for those of you that uh, haven't got a chance to listen to part one, I encourage you to do that. We're talking about being all in, all in. All in is a statement that says, I am committed to this with everything I am, holy, right? Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. You know, the question that is often posed by a lot of people, and that has been one of those questions that have been asked for generations and generations is, why am I here? And so my message is simply entitled, why on earth are we here? Why on earth are we here? And you know, there's a couple of people that have chimed in on this, and I wanted to kind of bring those to the surface. If you would... Slide number one, there's, a, there's some famous people that, have, uh, people that have spoken. One said, why are we here on earth? To create. It is in our nature. Okay. Another one said this. Another one said, why are we here? I think many people assume wrongly that a company exists solely to make money. Money is an important part of a company's existence. But if the company is any good, but a result is not a cause. We have to go deeper and find the real reason for our being. This is David Packard. 
Then we have another quote from another individual by the name of John Lennon. Never heard of him? He says, why in the world are we here? Surely not to live in pain and fear. Why on earth are you there? When you're everywhere, come and get your share. There's some scattered answers here. I don't even fully get that answer. Do you? I just found it important enough to let you know what people are saying. And then this last one was interesting because there was some elements here that uh, have to do with self-figuring it out. And here's what Deepak Chopra said. Why are we here? We exist not to pursue happiness, which is fleeting, our, our, which is our outer accomplishment, which can always be better. We are here to nourish the self. Interesting. It all comes back to self. These are some people that have, that have influence in people's lives and stuff that they've said holds weight. But when we look at why on earth are we here, we have to answer from the source that's been here. I like what Solomon once said. Solomon said meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, or all is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a man gain from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this was the reward for my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands have done and what I have toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Did you hear that? What many consider to be the wisest man to ever live, for sure, at least in the Bible's uh, stance, a man with wealth of wisdom. He said, I had everything and I didn't deny myself anything that I wanted. And yet, having all those things, I realize it's not enough. I'm still void. I'm still empty. Why? Because what you have is not as important as what you are. What you possess in your life is more important than what you have outside of it. The goal of man's existence, if we look at it through the lens of scripture, is from God's point of view, has never been about self figuring out self. Are you getting this? It's never been about you figuring out you so that you could be you. It's a lot of you. You know when there's a lot of you, there's a lot of problems. We must empty ourselves to be in Christ. We must empty our desires. We must empty our self of self so that his true nature could shine. That's where the promise is, not in the self. Can somebody say amen? So here's what Ecclesiastes 12 said. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's good advice, yes? Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Since man's whole duty is to obey God, honor God, we must assume that the answers to our question must have God in the ultimate goal. Would you agree? You see... Here's the short answer to the question here today. Man's purpose for being here is to be an extension of God's presence. You are called 
to be an extension of God's presence to this world. I don't get a lot of amens, but I hope so by the end. God does all he does to display his glory for the full lasting enjoyment of those who follow Jesus. Now watch this. God does everything that he does. Everything that he does in order to display his glory for those who deem Christ to be the most important. Let me put an example here. Let's look at a telescope versus microscope. Do you know the difference between a telescope and a microscope? Well, both magnify, right? But the purpose of them are significantly different. A microscope makes small things larger. That's what a microscope does. It takes small things and it makes them larger so you can see them. A microscope does that. But a telescope, a telescope makes large things get closer than they normally are. A telescope takes something that's already large and brings it closer to you. Whereas a microscope just enhances. So you can take your life and you can allow at times if you don't look at his promises... You can, you can tend to look to God's word through a microscope. It's not really big promises. I, w- I refuse to look upon my God through a microscope lens. His promises are a lot bigger. I choose to see God's promise that's already big. And telescope it closer so I can understand it. Do you see the difference? A microscope says this is small, let's make it big. A telescope says, this is big. I just need to get closer. I just need to find out more about it. You with me? So the the object of the Christian life is not to take God's little promises and say, let me understand these little tiny promises, little tiny, teeny, tiny God. But more so to say God's promises are so vast, so big that I want to get closer to it. I want to understand it. See, each of us, watch this, each of us are called to put a telescope in the eyes of every person we encounter. Our goal is not to look upon his promises through a microscope, but instead to to put a telescope in the eyes of every person we encounter and say, look how big my God is and look how awesome he is. Have you ever looked through a telescope and see the details on the moon? Or an object that was very, very far away. How many know it doesn't change the object? It just brings the object closer to you. A microscope insults God in that idea that he is small. And I need to, I need to, I need to somehow magnify that. <laughs> I need to bring his promise closer to me. It's already big. But some of you pray like it's a microscope prayer. Oh, teeny tiny God, please help me. Help me, my teeny tiny self and my teeny tiny church and my teeny tiny idea of faith and my teeny tiny idea of the word. And, and please have mercy on us. We need to stop that mess and start living all in. And say, God, I know you're a big God. And I need to pray like you're a big God. I don't need a microscope. I need a telescope to bring that word closer to me. Come on, somebody. We're called to magnify God. You see, in this world after the fall, 
God to most people is either not there in their radar screen at all, or he's this tiny dot, insignificant. If I get to religion, if I get to faith, if I get to it, I'll understand God. And God says, no. God says, understand me for who I am today. So let me share with you a couple thoughts here this morning. Your calling on planet earth is to put a telescope in someone's eyes and let them see God for everything he is. There's two thoughts I want to share with you here this morning. Purpose is found in man's creation. Purpose is found. Look, the purpose that you have in your life today, look at me. The purpose that you have was put in you when you were created. It's not something you discover because you don't have it. It's not something you un- unravel because it's, it's, it's tangled in your life. It's there. It's very real. It's very present. You just need to identify it. It was in you from creation. From the foundation of the world, he put it in you. Genesis 1.26, when he created man, he said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let's, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air. And over the cattle and over all the earth. And everything that creeps on this earth. God gave you. Because he put his image in you. He gave you dominion. This verse tells us that God created man in his image and his likeness. What does that mean? That fact alone implies that we are to be physically extension of God. A physical extension of his love and his grace. Some people might be shocked to know. There's some people that aren't. You might be shocked in your own workplace when you find out somebody says they're a Christian. You're like, whoa, hey, really? I uh, didn't quite see that coming. Is that why you had somebody else punch in for you? Because you were too busy praying? or <laughs> Talking of integrity, right? We're talking character here, right? If you're going to say you're a Christian, you got to realize that people are watching. And I, I have trouble sometimes just, just by telling people that I'm a minister because somehow they, they, all of a sudden they're like, uh, what am I doing wrong? What, what? They start thinking, did I say anything wrong? Did I do anything wrong in the last five minutes before I found out? Because God could strike me down. How many know what I'm talking about? Man of God, all of a sudden, you know. Can I tell you something? God loves that person no more, no less than he loves me. He really does. And that purpose that I found in him is in them too. That purpose that they are looking for is in them already. It's, it was given to them right there. Genesis one twenty six. It was given to them at the foundation and creation. So I'm not... Only to be an extension of his life, but I'm an expression of his character. Oh, that's good. I'm not just supposed to be an extension of his life, but I'm supposed to be an expression of his character. What does that mean? The way I express to people is the way that people expect God to express to them. In other words, the way you react and act, that's what they perceive God as. So I ask you the question that I asked last week. If everyone loved like you love, how different would this church be? If everyone gave like you gave, 
how would this church do? If everyone served like you serve, how would this church be? Because you're not just an extension of his life, but an expression of his character. All in means it costs something to follow him. James Packer said, our maker so designed us that our nature finds its final satisfaction and fulfillment only in a relationship of responsive God-likeness, which means precisely that the state between God and man has to be in obedience. The way that we walk with God is stated in obedience. That's what that quote basically means. God is looking at you and he's saying, represent me. The world is looking at you saying, do you represent him? And your obedience is the only answer. Not how many times you go to church, not how, whether you carry your Bible or not. It's how you respond to life. You know, what's interesting when we ask the question, why in the world am I here? And I want to kind of bring this into a visual. I'll be getting to my illustration in a moment. But David, I found this interesting. I think we have this Acts verse up here. Acts 13, 36. Listen to this verse. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Listen to that verse for everything that it has. When David had served God's purpose, when he was done, he died and his body was buried. But it wasn't until he fulfilled the purpose that he died. You have a purpose to fulfill. There's a reason why you're here. Look at me. There's a reason why you're here. And it's rooted in the word and in the promise of God. When David had served his purpose and his generation, he was done. And guess what? When they buried his body, there was nothing else David could do. It was done. His body had hit its expiration date. And he was done. This tells me this. This far and away is the most distinct verse that tells me that when God is done, he's done with me. And he will fulfill his purposes as long as you keep doing what he's called you to do. Now watch this. Purpose is not just found in creation. Purpose is found in conversion. Here's my thought. When Satan attempted to ruin through sin, God rescued through salvation. When the enemy wants to destroy through sin, God rescued through salvation. That's thought number one. And here's my second thought. Because, actually no, I'm not going to go to the second thought yet. I want to read one passage and here it is. Whereby we are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these... You may be partakers of his divine nature. What is that saying? When you have a promise, you are partaking of who God is. When you walk in that promise, you are partaking of who God is. Watch this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The world is lustful. The world is prideful. Can somebody say amen? Okay. You're saying, but that happens to everybody. Absolutely. But guess what? The world has accepted it. We have not. The world has said it's okay, and I'm telling you it's not. It's not okay to be these things. Why? Because we are partakers of his divine nature. We are partakers of who he is. 
Now, I want to read a passage here for a moment because this is interesting. And I want to talk about, you see each of these boxes. Does everyone see these boxes out front here? There's a reason for these boxes and I'll get to them in a minute. I want to read to you a passage uh, very quickly here. And just listen to that because I think I just have the reference up on the screen. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Listen to this. The Lord sent Nathan to David. This is when Nathan rebukes David, King David. Some of you know the passage. Some of you may not. Listen to this. The Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to David. When he came to him, he said, there are two men in a certain town. One was rich, the other was poor. The rich man had very large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one little lamb that he had bought. And he raised it and he grew it up with his children. He shared food and drank it from the cup. He even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare the meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the land that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger. Listen to this. David burned with anger. How dare he, right? He said, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. And this is after, of course, the Bathsheba situation. Right? Do you remember that story? Here's a man who fought for King David. Fought for him. And David While he was out to war, David was home sleeping with his wife. And then, what did he do? Try to cover it up. You know why? Because in our human nature, we try to compartmentalize our lives. In these boxes before you here today, there are portions and areas of your life. Each one has a certain area of your life. That's a good one. In these boxes, they represent areas that you may compartmentalize and separate. And I'm here to tell you today that my second thought is this. The new man is God's correction for man's corruption. The new man that he's creating you to become is God's correction For man's corruption. Man is corrupt. We are sinful. We are broken. It's not through just getting some things right. That we're made right. We have to be made completely new. We cannot fight this battle on our own. Each of these areas have to be surrendered to him. Each person must become a new man. Ephesians 4.24 And when you put on the new man, which is after God's create, uh, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God is saying, you know what? Put on that new man in order to be an extension of God's presence in a lost and dying world. It has to be a new man. Not, a re- not one that's just renovated. It's a new man. Regeneration means new, not redoing the old. So, 
in light of what I'm talking about here today. We're talking about being all in, right? We look at all in like this. We look at it as there are areas in my life, and follow me with this, if you would. There are areas of our life that we compartmentalize, and we say, you know what? I want to give this area of my life to God. I want to be committed in my relationships. Right? I want this to be an important part of my faith. I want my relationships to reflect Jesus. Right? I want that to be an important part. But that in and of itself, I just want to give that. I don't know that I want to give too much more. I had a bad relationship, so let me put Christ in this relationship. Right? So I want to put a little bit of Jesus in my relationship. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and maybe I'll just bring a cross and, and just kind of put Jesus in here. And then there, Jesus is in my relationship. Everything's better, right? Well, you put Jesus in your relationship, but how much are you in Jesus? Then you have other things like worrying about your future. See that this one right here is a little more tangible. You can see those relationships. You can't see your future. You can't see your future, but you got to trust him for your future. And so we're like, you know what? I want to put Jesus in my future. You know, I want to put Jesus in my future. Sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in my future. Because we're really good at wanting to sprinkle Jesus on our mess, right? Oh man, this is rough. I got a rough situation. Let me just get a little bit of Jesus and can't season your life that way. So we look at our relationships and we try to put Jesus in that and, and our future. And then we have this wrestle that this, this one, this is everybody wrestles with this. You ready for this? Yeah? No? No, I can put it down. We can talk about it later. The other one is time. Everybody wrestles with this, right? You ever wrestle with time? If you've never wrestled with time, please see me after service. I want to know the secret. Because we've all wrestled with time. Guess what? You have 24 hours just like everybody else. You have time. It's not easily found. I don't think you ever find time for what matters. You make time for what matters. Right? So we have that compartment of our lives and we go, you know what? I want to I wanna help out just a little bit. Six days a week, I'm, you know, I'm doing my thing. But Sunday, you know, I got to be good. I got to be good. That one day a week. Yeah, because that's what Jesus did, right? He said, yes, I died for you for one day a week. Ouch. He didn't die for one day a week. God didn't say, you must die on a cross. He's like, how about I three-quarter die? How about I almost die and then come down? Why do you live a three-quarter week? Well, each of us have... Those things we wrestle with, and I don't know anyone that hasn't wrestled with this, unless your last name is Gates, or, right? So you got a situation, money. We try to say, you know what, I'll give a little bit of God, I'll give a little bit to God, and then I'll just let everything else kind of work out. <laughs> That's it. I don't, we compartmentalize all of that. Can I submit to you this idea that maybe that's the wrong way to approach your life? Can I submit to you that in order to live all in, that these things cannot be individual, 
But instead, if you're saying, I want to be all in, I need to be all in in my relationships. Okay, God, I, I, I'm committing to be all in. I, I, I commit to be all in. All in in my relationships. Oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm committing to be all in with my money. Okay, God, you got it. I'll be all in with my money. I'll, I'll just let this, I'm all in. I'm desiring to be all in my future. I'm desiring to be all in with my future. So God, I'm going to go ahead and be all in my future. All that means all in. And Man, time. Oh, this is a tough one. I don't have time for anything. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I make time. All in. So what does all in mean? All in means that you're not just all in because it's a fancy thing, but you're, you're in Christ. These things that you're giving over, are you're all in Christ. My future is in Christ. My time is in Christ. These things are all in Christ. That's the only way that it works. You look at your money. You look at your, your, your relationships and all these things. Why, are they, why do they seem to fall apart sometimes? Why? Well, because a lot of times we want to compartmentalize them. We want them to be out here. And we want to be like, I am all in. I am all in. But are you? All in means it's in Christ. My relationships are in Christ. My, my, my future is in in Christ. It's all in Christ. It's how we, it's how we do this. If you, don't, if you don't put your money and you don't put your relationships and you don't put your time in Christ, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? All of that is in Christ. So, these are just four areas that some of you wrestle with. I don't think there's anybody that's never wrestled with any one of these. You're probably not looking at it. See, everyone starts off their lives with the boxes outside. It's when you come to Christ that Christ says, are you all in? Are you all in? I was. I was all in. Let, let those things be in me. And you'll see what life truly means. So the question is, why on earth am I here? The reason why I'm here is to be all in his purpose. All in. You can't play this game of part and yes, I love Jesus, but I don't really want to do that. You can't pick and choose. This is not a buffet. You can't pick and choose what you like in the Bible and what you don't like. And I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. That's not how it works. You think if he would have had a choice on how he was going to die, that you think that's the way he would have done it? One of the most painful ways to die? I mean, there are easier and quicker ways to die. He chose a very painful death. Not for partial in, but those that want to be all in. So today, I'm going to ask you to pray with me for a moment. Can you do that? Can I ask you to bow your heads where you are? Just for a moment. And Father, we commit this moment to you because there's so many that are in this room 
that wrestle with one of these areas. We all have wrestled at one time or another. I'm asking you, God, that you would help us to see everything that you want us to do and how you want us to respond. Lord, help us to be all in. Help us to be all in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here this morning, I'm going to make a simple, a simple call and a commitment here. And some of you in this room, you've battled with this before. And this is just a visual. I, I, I learn through visuals. I really do. And when I thought about this illustration, I thought about how many times I wrestled with what I was going to do with my future. You know, you think, well, Pastor Tony, I'm a little older in my life. I don't really think about that anymore. I'm sorry to hear that. There's a good chance that he thinks about it more than you do then. Because you really do have one. I wrestle with my time, just like everybody else. I wrestle with my relationships and I wrestle with money, just like you do. And I get it. But if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor Tony, I realize I'm not all in. All in means I've given them, it's every, everything's in Christ. These things have to be in Christ. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor Tony, that's me. I wrestled with that. Just by a show of hands, would you just raise your hand and say, I wrestle with one of these areas. If you're here in this room, you say, I wrestle with one of these areas. Future, time, relationships, and money. One of these. And I understand there may be some that say, I don't know. If I want to confess that in front of people, I don't know. I get it. It's all right. But I'll be honest with you. I wrestle with more than one of these. But I had to realize that unless I physically put it in Christ, nobody could do that for me. Did you know that? Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can take this box and fill it for you. Because your relationship with God is your relationship with God. Nobody can do that for you. So if you raise your hand right where you're at, would you stand with me for a moment? And we're going to sing this song. And as we sing this song, my prayer this morning is that in some way, if you feel like you can respond and you can slip up out of your seat and come meet me at this altar and be honest with yourself for just a moment, we'll close in just a few moments. But if you could be honest with yourself here today, look at me. If you could be honest with yourself today and say, there's one of these areas I need to give to God because it's affecting me. You can come as this song, as they begin to sing this song. Come and just join me here at this altar. There's something about one of these that I'm battling with. Come and let's pray together at the end of, at the, end of the service here. One of these areas, relationships, money, future, and time.